Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Office Hours Career Paths for PhDs. My name is Jasmine Goodman. I, of course, am excited for you all to join us once again. We have such a dynamic guest today. Her name is Dr. Monique Liston. She is the founder and joyful militant and chief strategist of Ubuntu Research and Evaluation. Dr. Liston earned her PhD in urban education and leadership from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Give me one moment while I bring her to the stage. Hello, how are you? I am well, I am well. I love the beginning, the picture that was like, oh my gosh. Vibes here, okay? We are all about the vibes. We want to make sure we set the tone for the excellence that we're going to hear in this interview. I love it. And here's my special guest, Simone. First time having a special guest, so I love that. Hi, Simone. <laughs> I love this. So we like to just start out by you know getting to know more about you and learning about you know. Let's take it back before you even started your doctoral program. Going into it, what were your goals? What did you want to accomplish with the doctorate initially? Okay, so here's where I get found out. I'm an accidental PhD. <laughs> accidental PhD. I fell into getting a doctorate. Um, It wasn't my plan. Well, it wasn't my plan, but the ancestors got plans for you, right? And so they'll do what needs to happen for that plan to take place. Um, And so going into my PhD, I'll be completely transparent. The goal was someone calling me doctor at the end. Like, (laughs) that's it. It's like, I need a title, okay? (laughs) Give me something where it's like, don't you need to respect, put some respect on my name. Right. Um, so that's how I entered into the space um, of, of doctoral study. I came back to school after getting a master's and like working a little bit. Okay. I came back like wanting to get more master's education. Okay. And the chair of the department said, you have a master's. You already know these things. I can see by your CV that you're ready for this go into the doctoral program. Here's three years of full funding. See you on Monday. That's literally how it happened. Um, And that's ancestral. I know that because I haven't heard, I don't know if that could happen any other way. Um, So it was more of an affirmation. Like you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to do this. Just like take it, take the gift. Um, so my goal was like, okay, well, what's this? Is somebody gonna call me doctor? I'm a first generation student too. Right. So okay. I'm already doing the most with an undergraduate and a master's degree. And I'm about to be called doctor. Mom is about to be flipping. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, my motivations there were just bearing witness to so many great scholars in undergrad. I'm a proud, proud alum of Howard university. And so <laughs> Howard back here. Yes, I'm a bison also. All right. When'd you graduate? Can I do this? So right I did my PhD there, uh, class of 2020. So I am oh. fresh off the yard. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So I know some people. I know some of the people oh, who was we'll with talk, we'll talk. Okay. Yeah. And so I, I just, you know, my immersion into Black scholarship was at the Mecca. Mm-hmm. And so I knew what it meant to be scholastic and scholarly. Mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily think it had to be tied to a PhD because, you know, you you learn about so many community scholars. Um, And so the PhD was a way of like, I'm good at school and this might be my pathway. If someone's going to call me doctor in the end, I'm going to take advantage of the gifts. (laughs) And you know what? 
In doing these interviews, one thing that I've actually kind of gathered is that for a lot of people, they are accidental PhDs. Very few people were like, yep, I'm going to do this. Like I knew for me it was going to happen at some point. So I was intentional about, you know, kind of mapping it out. But more often than not, most people are just like, well, I decided that my next step was going to be this. So it's is affirming, hopefully, for many that are watching that you don't have to necessarily seek the PhD out from undergrad, but it's something that can happen along your journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I had gotten terminal a terminal master's degree, too, because it just wasn't in my purview. And even up until the week I started classes, I was still like, I don't know, <laughs> maybe I'll go to law school or maybe I'll get another master's. Mm-hmm. Um, but then being in the program and recognizing all the people that I really respected, they are so dope because they have PhDs, like they've gone through this process. I was like, oh, I'm about to join the ranks. And that was just kind of motivating to continue on. Okay, so once you got into the program, what did you start to think about in terms of, you know, life after graduation? Was that just were you just kind of just getting a feel for being in a doctoral program? Kind of tell me where you were mentally about your career goals at that time. Yeah, when I started, I didn't quite know what you did with the PhD. <laughs> I knew people got them. I didn't quite know, like right at the offset. I want to say about a year in, it was like the professoriate. Like I've always wanted to teach. I am a teacher. I am an educator. Like that's how I moved through the world. Um, did not do the traditional teaching route nor the alternative routes like Teach for America or anything, but mm-hmm. have always been with young people, was the kid who played teacher, you know, <laughs> with the chalkboard when you was young. Um, and so that became really attractive to me, mm-hmm. um, especially as I was experiencing Um, grad school and realizing that people were good researchers and good writers, but not good teachers. Mm. (laughs) And I feel like every grad student can give a testimony of someone who is brilliant, but cannot teach worth the (laughs) insert cuss word here. (laughs) And um, so I really was looking forward to like the teaching space and being able to Mm. like cultivate the learning experience for other students at the beginning. That's Okay. (laughs) Okay. So at what point did it shift for you? Dissertating. (laughs) Dissertating changed it all for me because that's when I found out what the profession really was and why Mm -hmm. people aren't good teachers is because teaching isn't really what is praised Mm -hmm. at at the professoriate level, right? It's publications, notoriety for all these things. And then I realized what people were willing to do for it. (laughs) And that, that, yeah, that shook me like that people I thought I trusted would behave in such a way because of the field and what it meant to be successful Mm. in the field. And I was collateral damage. I was collateral damage for someone, a young uh, uh, tenure track professor's building of their own career. And so in becoming collateral damage, I was just like, oh, I could never. I just, there's a lot of things. I ended my PhD or like when I'm saying at the dissertation point, and almost walked away because of how harmful it was. And I was like, this six years and this $100,000 is just down the drain because I could never um, and was just so disheartened and disillusioned by that experience. Yeah, that's one thing too. And thank you for sharing that because academia is already such a tough space anyway, but there's a lot of harm that's caused in these environments 
and people are willing to forsake you, you know, students, whomever, in order to advance their careers, because it can be pretty cutthroat. And I hate that you had that experience. And I think that's why it's important. Um, my, one of my favorite quotes is to be the person you needed when you were younger or simply just be the person you needed when you were having a hard time. And so that's one thing that as our viewers, if you choose to head into, you know, or continue in the academy down the tenure track, be the person you needed when you were dissertating, <laughs> you know, because that that's something that can be really tough. So once you had that encounter, what steps did you take to kind of work through and push through how you felt in that moment? Yeah, I um, well, I stopped. Mm. I um, I mean, long story short, I had written a complete dissertation. And on the day of my defense, I was not allowed to defend. Wow. Um, and was given all of this feedback that like had never been mentioned to me ever before. I was just poorly handled. Right. Um, and so I stopped. I sat on the couch for weeks because it's that feeling is like the equivalent of shout out to anybody who watches Love is Blind on Netflix. But of going to the altar and someone telling, you no, but at the altar and you're going to yeah. be like, but what about like we was planning the wedding? Why right. did she say nothing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so that was like it was a pretty dark space that I went in because like just everything was fl- just the rug was pulled out from under me. Um, but I was able to get past that moment because I'm really like a thoroughly community engaged scholar. And like my work was about the community. And when I say people showed up for me, they showed up for me. Um, they were, it wasn't just like, you got to do this. They wanted me to be well first. Mm -hmm. And then were reminded me like, it doesn't matter what the university says we're using your work right now. Mm -hmm. So we we are validating what you've already put out into the atmosphere. It doesn't matter if the ivory tower puts a stamp on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was enough energy um, to get me back focused and to, to carry me across the finish line. But I'll tell you the one thing that I asked is I asked my, my grandmother and my mother, like, was it important for them that I do this? And was it important for them that I cross the stage? And they were like, get this doctorate. Like you earned that. Mm-hmm. This stage is in, unimportant. You don't need to cross. Yeah. So I never got hooded. I never did any of that. But I also, when I graduated, I gave diplomas to all those people who carried me through. Because I said, yeah. this degree is just as much yours as yeah. it is mine. And wherever I can go and be Dr. Monique listening on your behalf, send mm-hmm. me. Because you put in the work for me to be able to do this. And I would not be be here without y'all holding me and caring for me in that way. And so I, I am forever grateful. And the universe knew that like I needed to be in community while I did this struggle because the community held me, nurtured me, and actually carried me um, yeah. across that finish line. Yeah. And I think that that's a great testament just to how important it is to have a strong support system, whether it's family support. If you have faculty support, that's great. But there are so many stories of people just having, you know, not so great experiences with, you know, just a variety of communities within academia. So it's great that you have that. And it's also a great idea to give your family many diplomas. My mom just said she was going to write her name on mine. And I was like, mm. but now I'm thinking about it. She she deserves her own because she was on the receiving end of many phone calls, many a night. Mm-hmm. So once you you were already able to implement your dissertation work, which I think I really want to talk more about that. 
Um, tell me how that informed your career goal. Like, what did you want to do once you you signed that that final document for your dissertation? What was next for you? Yeah. Well, the first thing I realized was people, because my work was public and like folks knew I was doing it. I realized people were using my work, but not citing me or talking about me. <laughs> Funny how they do that to black women. Yeah. Um, and I realized when that was happening, like we'll go to whole conferences and look up on the screen and be like, that's my research <laughs> right there. Or people like, texting me and be like, oh, I didn't know you were at this conference. I'm not there. <laughs> um, so people were use, using my work and I recognize that people respect institutions more than individuals. And so I created Ubuntu Research and Evaluation expressly initially to hold my dissertation. So like there's an organization behind it because somehow just my name just wasn't enough. <laughs> but if there was an organization behind it um, that would be able to reference point to website email, that's where, where it lands. So my initial choice wasn't career wise. This is what I'm going to do. It was to protect that um, because I was really working in um in, in education, doing those administrative roles that were not teacher track. So um, director of race and equity, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> working with teachers and training and princi- uh, t- training of teachers and principals around their leadership and um, working in the school district and school building levels. Um, so that's where my my actual efforts took me to employment, but I started creating this thing literally because of my dissertation work. And that was happening in the periphery as that immediate next step was taken. So you off the heels of kind of having a traumatic experience as you're preparing to defend and then finding out that people are using your research where, what recourse did you take? Did you have or did you just keep going? Like, how did you address that when you found out that your work was being used and you weren't being cited for it? I I can't take credit for this way of thinking, but it was something that was taught to me while I was at Howard mm-hmm. um, by Greg Carr, who's the chair of Africana Studies, my dear, dear mentor. But, um, you know, there's no shortage of great ideas. Knowledge is infinite. And so if you have the audacity to have to steal an idea from me, I am sad for you that that you do not have the bucket of ideas to pull from. So that that literally was my energy of like, Mm -hmm. you can take whatever you want. Do you know how brilliant I am? (laughs) There's another another set of stuff behind here. So if what you have to do is steal to get an idea, I just I'm sorry for you. See what you can do with it because you can't do it like me, number one. Yeah. And number two, I have so much more to give. So thank you for freeing me up to do something else. That's the main character energy that I think a lot of <laughs> Black women PhDs need. And even I, I would even extend it to PhDs because there are so few of us out here anyway that I've heard horror study horror stories from just a lot of different people across race, gender, all the identities of people who or mentors or professors or chairs or whomever who have not had integrity in the process. And so I think that's a great 
um, lesson to walk away with from anyone that's watching is that if you have one idea, if you have one great idea, you'll have many, many more. And that if it happens, learn how to process that, but don't let it stop you. Because I would probably, it would take me a while to get past something like that because I love every one of my ideas, but that's a great way to kind of frame that experience. So as you you move through that, what's then next on you, next on your career journey? Yeah, so I placed my my dissertation in this organization and it was really just for reference purposes. Mm -hmm. So like on social media, I'll just be like, Antag Ubuntu Research and Evaluation. That's all it was. Mm -hmm. um, and then I realized that there was this, like people wanted me to do things for them. Like they would call me <laughs> and be like, could you do this and I'll pay you. And that was just like, you know, I'm coming from a, I'm a first generation college student. I grew up in a house where my dad worked at the post office. Like I don't have knowledge of this way of working. <laughs> and so when I found out that people were going to call me on the phone and ask me to do things, I was like, I can keep doing it. And if I do it well, you'll ask me to do more things, but I do it on my time. Like it was just a whole, like, I can't believe this is happening. Right. Um, people call it consulting. <laughs> and, um, I started doing that and it came to a point um, while I was still working in the schools where I, I said to my mom, again, you know, working family, first generation student, like, I'm going to try to just like be it, like start a thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to like be an entrepreneur. And that's kind of like, you don't do that. You have a job. Mm -hmm. You don't leave this job until you have your next job. Like that's, mm -hmm. you know, the way that I was, was raised mm -hmm. and it just became, I want to say like a I, it's ancestral tap on the shoulder of like, it's enough doing this for other people. It's mm -hmm. time to create the space. Um, and I, I share it with other people that it wasn't just like PhD and then this, right? Because nothing's linear in Black culture, space mm -hmm. and time. It was putting together what had happened in academia with all of my organizing failed attempts and wins and successes, being able to put them together and like, here's where all my knowledge is coming from, mm -hmm. what I've been able to leverage because I have these letters, what I've learned because of my organizing. Let me create my own thing. So I jumped into it um, after working in that school and said, I'm a consult. Mm -hmm. And I, from the beginning, I was never solo. <laughs> like I was never solo. I've just created the space, but I was always cultivating a team to, wow. to, to work together. Um, and it was probably about 18 months of doing that when I realized this could be a full-time job that actually like fed me <laughs> and like took care of people. Um, and so that was just, that was the turn of events of like taking that risk, calling mom and saying, I know we don't do this, but here's, here's what I'm going to try to do. And just, investing in learning that this was a thing that if you do good work people mm -hmm. want to keep working with you because you do good work and because I have these letters I can also set up boundaries and people won't question them mm. to the same extent right like right. I'll be like well this is what I do and be like well the doctor does and I'll be like well that's great <laughs> I'm glad that makes sense uh makes sense to you so yeah that was that was the the falling failing forward falling up situation. Now with that, I love to learn more. So you mentioned that your dissertation was, you were already kind of engaged in the community and they were using your research. And you also talked about how, because I think it's important to know that for PhDs, for some people, they write a document, they never touch it again. For others, it's work that they feel that it's a part of their mission, their purpose. And so they're actively building on that. Can you tell me about maybe some specific steps that you took to put your dissertation work into practice 
And then also, how did you distribute that work once you were once you defended your dissertation? Right. That's a really good thing. To this day, it still like wows me when people come back and like, where can I find your dissertation? I'm like, you want to read it? <laughs> For real? You want, you want to read it? And I'm like, that was to get me out of school. OK, don't. <laughs> That's what is its sole function was to get my diploma. Like that was it. Um, but in May, let's see, I defended and like signed the dotted line, like you said, in November mm-hmm. by May of the next year. So taking about six months, including the holidays, I had written sort of the micro version okay. of it. Um, and I framed it into terms of a curriculum, like here wow. is a curriculum um, to learn about addressing these issues within organizations. My, my dissertation topic was around um, the dignity of boys and men of color and how do we understand it as a, a measure of success for all of these boys and men of color, black men and boys achievement spaces that were going on. Okay. Do, how do we know? How can we maintain a sense of dignity? What does that look like from a black perspective? Okay. And so I created this curriculum um, and that curriculum I had named Radical Accountability for Creating Equity Race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I put it together and I shared it with like a couple people, like, give me some feedback. Tell me what you what you think about it. And that document right there was the basis of what became Ubuntu Research and Evaluation's core offering. Wow. Um, if I look back at the document right now, I'd be like, oh, gosh, this is ugly. It's terrible. Um But that was the first thing. The second thing that I ended up doing was talking about it every single place I could go. So if somebody was like having a meeting and they were like, could you come? I'll be like, yep. (laughs) Is there a presentation? You need a speaker? Yep. Like I talked about it in church basements. I talked about it in college campuses, wherever people could go and listen. I was talking about it. And one that got the word out, right? Like I'm talking about this thing, but two, it helped me refine my ideas, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's the writing process that that helps you, but engaging with people in real time about what is actually impacting them or what they're taking away from what you read or what you wrote helps you to change it more focused, less on academia, more on practitioners, the people who are doing their work. What do, what do they need? What does that look like? So the next package, um, after talking to folks, the third thing was moving it from this curriculum into like, here are the slide decks. Here are the, um, workshop agendas that, go with this. <laughs> this is how we can look forward to understanding that. And so when I talk to folks, it moved from like this idea to like practical application from engaging to a curriculum to these sets of agendas and slide decks of which I could talk about a thing. And mm-hmm. then I was working with other people to talk about it too. So like if I'm talking about it, you feel real passionate. Here's how we talk about dignity. Well, this is why it's important for Black folks. I want to teach you how to do it so you can go talk to people about it. And then I can stop talking about it. And I was I wanted to get a point so I didn't say it anymore. I'm like, I don't want to say the word dignity ever again. I'm done with it. But um, it, it was a lot of FaceTime. Oh, and I, I shouldn't undercut this because I think this is also important and also speaks to probably while I'm here. I was also very vocal on social media about okay. what I was doing. So if I did um, a presentation, I would turn on my Facebook Live so people could, could see it. If I would promote like, hey, I'm doing this workshop right next to somebody saying they doing they doing nails hair or selling lasagnas then you will see like <laughs> and I'm doing this workshop y'all should come through um I really 
felt it, like it was important to make the work accessible. Like it isn't just for a certain person doing a certain kind of work. Like this for your aunties and cousins and your bad nephews, like bring them all. Like, let's talk about this because this is our conversation. And so I was very insistent about talking about things publicly and um, putting it in all the spaces, which is the opposite, just flagging of what the academics will tell you, right? They'll be like, don't put any blogs out. Don't do any of this. Save everything for the journal. And I'm like, these journals going to take six years to print something and none of the people I want to read it going to read it. So let me um, be out here. <laughs> I'll tell you, one of my frustrations with academic publishing is that we study communities often that are in crisis or historically marginalized communities. We publish great work, but then it stops at the journal article or and even if it's open access, the communities who need it, they don't know where to find it. If they do come across it, they can't a lot of times understand it because it's so heavy and so dense. So the fact that you're talking about making it accessible to communities, I think that's a great way to push your dissertation research out. Like I would tell everybody that's watching this right now, yes. Publish it, you know, put it in the academic journals. But if you're doing work that your your goal is to create some type of emancipatory potential for, for communities, push it out there. Talk about it because that will extend the life and the impact of your work. 100 percent. 100 percent. And that allowed it to the that was the fire that allowed me to continue to grow this into work. Right. Because because I'm speaking about everywhere folks were going into their workplaces like here's this person I think we should bring them in and mm -hmm. so much of um how I've been able to support myself is because of that word of mouth and that sort of affirmation of like I saw you on this one thing that one time or <laughs> I retweeted you that one day and now you know and that sort of relational component to me was was not just the most important thing but the most effective thing in yeah. terms of getting people getting getting the work out there now, when you land your first client, so a lot of times you have the reason you have the skill set, you have someone that's interested. Talk to me about some of the challenges in starting a business, things that you've learned along the way. Um, yeah, I have my own perspective, but I would love to hear your perspective as well. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's the most annoying and audacious perspective to firmly believe that black people can be free. Right. <laughs> it's it's annoying because you really do believe like we can be better than this current circumstance, mm -hmm. because what goes along with it is non-black people. You have the nerve to believe that they can be better than how they've been, too. Mm -hmm. So you're like engaging in this work like the world can be better if we like really take these things to task. Um, and so you know, shout out to Black Panther, but it's like, you got to be who you say you are, right? Mm -hmm. And so the the one of the struggles is I can't talk all this liberatory, abolitionist, pro-Blackness and not create a container that actually holds that mm -hmm. proactively. And mm -hmm. so one of the big struggles for me is like surviving capitalism as somebody who's trying to get free from capitalism at the same time. It's a struggle. <laughs> like get off my back, but also don't let me get my money. Right. <laughs> Leave me alone, but I got to pay these. Bills. Pay this invoice. Right? <laughs> and, and that that struggle all the time, because what comes along with that capitalism, capitalist business structure is a lot of stuff that um, challenges my abolitionist ideas, too, because business structures are inherently punitive. Mm 
-hmm. right? You need to produce, you need to be efficient, you need to win at capitalism. And if you don't, you need to be punished or seen as less than. Mm -hmm. And so holding an abolitionist framework while starting a business that's supposed to work, particularly at the time I started with a framework with Black women and later extended it to um, femmes and non-binary folks, but thinking about how can we do so and which still allows your bills to get paid because we're done with being broke and putting our best thinking out there, but also takes to task how this racialized militaristic capitalism is is making us think about every single transaction, how we show up, what is worthy of our time. So I think that struggle that I live in, that is on my brain every time I go to sleep at night (laughs) is 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 the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've been blessed with is so many people who have invested in the vision. And I say invested in the vision by coming to work at Ubuntu because they really believe in what the vision is. And so they put their best thinking forward to help advance it. Well, that's what what's helped that helped me to navigate that along the way. Um, but to the client perspective, mm-hmm. um, it's also... <laughs> vacillated what did uh, erica badu say like you know you might see this sage but there's a glock in this pocket too like (laughs) i feel like that's the client energy of like yeah there's these letters after the name but don't get me messed up where's my money yeah i said i was gonna do this yeah three don't say you want one thing and then ask me for 36 others and then still want to pay me five dollars so like (laughs) those are the ongoing um struggles i i just because I came into entrepreneurship as not an entrepreneur and not a background in it, it was mm-hmm. like, oh, I didn't, I just anticipated it because I pay my bills. Right. <laughs> <laughs> People have very different philosophies around uh, paying invoices, paying invoices on time. Uh, people will also try and devalue your work. And it's like, no, the price is the price. Okay. Like uh, Charlene says, the price is the price. We're not changing anything. And sometimes the price will go up. Yesterday's price. Yesterday's price is not today's price. Because you know who I am now? I'm a new person. I done learned some more stuff. So you got, okay. If they're going to raise the price on Jordans, I can raise the price on my thinking. Exactly. Same thing. And I think that's also important too, because a lot of, I would say that PhDs, especially those who have recently graduated, don't often place a monetary value on their skill set. Because you've had to do it for so long for peanuts, essentially. And also because you truly care about the work. So for you, it's really not about the money as you're doing it. You're doing it because you, there is a question or there's a problem that you want to address. Mm-hmm. So having to shift your mindset from saying, okay, so then my hourly rate is this. This is my day rate. Here's the flat rate. And I want my money net 15, net 30. You might want to play me with, like, you have to be able to realize that your work has value. And if you're consulting, um, you can't necessarily take the academic mindset because you'll just academics. We do things for free. Oh yeah, I'll hop on that paper. Oh yeah, not a problem. I, no, no. You have to be willing to say the price is the price and realize that by you not stating that price, you're going to shortcut yourself. That's going to impact your livelihood. Ooh, ooh, that's a message. And that we can't shortcut our own prices because it's undermining everybody else's prices too. And I think that's one of the big lessons too of like, I can't cheap out because that's making Jasmine's price be lower and like, it's going to be difficult for them. So to also be in good relationship 
mm-hmm. with folks who are who are doing this work this way so that you can be collaborative and building as opposed to competitive because it's like it's too much work out here right it's too yeah. much stuff to be done and yeah. so it's no use in us fighting over pennies when we yeah. can really be building over something that could allow us to all win right and I, I think that's probably one of the the lessons I've learned from that space for sure. And it's so hard for a lot of people to find good people when they're starting a business. What's been your thinking or your approach to building collaborative relationships with your partners and those who work with you? Yes. Well, the first thing is like we have a very unique hiring process. Mm -hmm. Um, One, we don't look at anybody's resume till after they get hired. Really? Tell me more. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it really allows people to speak to what's their their best skill set. Um, Ubuntu is built off of individuals who are not formally trained or academically trained in the work that we do, but have the transferable skills. And it's a bunch of Black folks. We wow. can do anything, right? Like, give us enough space and time, we can do anything. <laughs> and that's at least how my mom raised me, right? Like, we can do anything. You want to go to a rock, rocket to the moon? Like, just give me at least enough time to read this textbook, you know? <laughs> And I'll, and I'll figure it out. And so holding that, if like, if that's true for me, it's got to be true for other Black folks. So what if I create a hiring process that allows you, you to understand the organizational culture and values and you to speak to what you have to offer something with that those values? Yeah. And when we stick to that process, we have found some true, true gems um, that have worked at our, pl- at our place. And that's one, like it's been half the organization has been sought out the, that way. Mm-hmm. I think the other half of the organization are folks who are like, give me free, you know, like it's time for me to get free. And I've seen what you've been doing over here mm-hmm. and I know what you've been doing and I like, like your vibe. And so it's time for me to get free. Mm-hmm. And uh, just yeah, at a conference this past week, someone said, I got, I, I freed myself. I emancipated myself and you were my Harriet. And like, just hearing like somebody saying like, I seen what you was doing. And that was possible for me to think about that, that, that possibility too. And I was humbled really early in the process when I had someone who was a 20-year veteran classroom teacher with an administrator's and superintendent's license saying, I'm ready to leave the classroom. I'm going to come work for you because this place need, needs, it needs this and I'm ready for it. Yeah. And that's when I like, that's when I knew I had something for real, right? right. To, for someone to give a, you know, 20 years in the game, that's pension, that's <laughs> all of this um, testament to them and their readiness to get free. Um, but it, it's, it in all that, the core thing is like our values and that vision has been unwavering, right? Like, I believe Black people can be free. I believe if we're intentional about working together with some shared principles and values that we can actually move and create liberation dreams here that allow us to be um, more dignified, closer to the freedom as yet unknown than we've ever imagined. So let's create the container for it. And we're going to protect this container and defend this container and also make sure that people have a livelihood that makes sense for them. And like, that has just allowed so much, so much to come and grow from those, those few seedlings. Now, one quick thought, I would encourage you, if you haven't considered it already to consider creating a framework for how you develop your company, how you manage it, like almost like a leadership framework, because if you can do something where you're centering, you know, race, identity, um, social injustice, and it's, it's embedded in like the core of how you manage your team, I don't think I've ever, like, that's like a Harvard business case study. Just saying, throwing it out there. Okay. Just throwing it out there. 
But I love it. I love it. So I would love to learn more about your, tell me more about your company first, because I would love to know like how all of these parts work together to help other people get free. Absolutely. Uh, Oh, dog. (laughs) Um, Our, our uh, company, uh, Mutu Research and Evaluation um, provides education, facilitation, and evaluation services to organizations and communities and teams. Um, and embedded in it is our framework is um, Afrofuturist evaluation, as in we firmly believe <laughs> that Black people can be in the future without the harm of racialized oppression. And because we believe that, we use that as our evaluative frame, as in if what you're doing isn't contributing to Black people being free in the future, then it's not meeting our objectives around all these things that people are talking about, like racial equity and racial justice. So no matter the project, (laughs) we're still holding about the possibilities of Black people's freedom being at the other end of what people's work is. Mm-hmm. And so um, that could mean we're coming, working with the foundation who's like, we have these grantees who got this money post um, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's murder. And we want to see what we what impact we've been able to make. Well, we're going to call into question uh, the whole idea of how you see Black people in the future first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're going to hold that as an evaluative frame. Or we're going to work with an organization, a, a nonprofit organization. like we're working on a strategic plan. Great. We're going to hold around this nonprofit's capacity to help Black people flourish in the future. Okay, (laughs) And so we hold that constantly um, as a frame, no matter whether we're working on a programmatic evaluation, long term evaluation or strategizing with the organization. Um, It is really uh, lots of different kinds of asks can come. But overall, we're strategizing with them, using these tools to either educate, facilitate or evaluate around the ideas of black liberation, even if they didn't inherently ask for it. <laughs> you know, you're coming to a black evaluation firm. You're going to get this <laughs> mixed mixed into your into your work. So we're with college campuses, nonprofits, state and local governments, foundations um, and working all across the U.S. and internationally. That is amazing. How long have you been in business? We're in well, year six on January 1st. Wow. Well, <laughs> that is amazing. That's amazing. So I would love to learn more. Um, our final segment is called Mentorship Moments. Mm. So thinking back on your journey, let's say you get an email from a doctoral candidate who was in your position What's some advice? What would you share with them? What what are some words that you would share in order to encourage them in their journey? Um, So many. I think that first thing is definitely like this ain't your first brilliant or your last brilliant idea. So don't feel so emotionally connected to it. More are going to come. And just and that's a hard thing. It was hard for me to get there, but getting there is half the battle. Um, I also think that some words of advice to hear in that moment is that this is just a moment. Like it feels like your dissertation is like your magnum opus. Like I write this and no one's going to care about anything else or any other way I've ever existed on this planet. And that's not true. Most people won't care about it and it's okay. (laughs) Um, And to affirm, this just happened to me last week. Um, A woman that I know, we're like acquaintance, acquaintances, sent me a text message 
I was like, I'm working on my PhD. I don't know if you knew that. Um, and I came across this article and I thought she was about to share something with me. Like I came across this article and I was like, this has everything I've been looking for. And she says, I looked at the title and it's your dissertation. And I was like, I was like, this is it. This is the one thing I've been looking for is for a black woman to be working on their PhD and say that my dissertation was something they could cite. That's it. The award is struck. And if you've gotten to this point to be able to get your dissertation published, someone's going to cite it. Someone. And I think just knowing that the struggle that we go through and what we read to put somebody else's citation in our work Mm -hmm. to know and remind people you're working, you're going to be somebody's footnote and not in a additive way in terms of you're going to help them make the argument. And so I think that sort of affirmation, like the rewards from this are way afterwards. They're not during, they're not during it. And you just got to get through and you, you won't remember (laughs) or feel through all of these things. It's just like giving birth. People give birth and then they forget how much that hurt and then go get and have another baby. Like (laughs) it's it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so just opening up yourself of like, it's bigger than this moment. It's bigger than what you're feeling right now. So what's next for you? You have, you're going on six years in business. You have a ton of ideas. We know that. So what's on the horizon for you? You're asking the million dollar question here. Um, I, I, It's time to put the books out there. It's time to make more of those readily accessible things. Like you said, like the framework, like this stuff is all right here in bits and pieces. And as you can see, my desk right here. And it's time to dedicate more of my energy to putting them down Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, because I practiced it for so long, right? So it's like, yeah, I did this six years in my PhD and yeah, I was out working. Then I did another six years in really my own lab (laughs) of of testing these things out. And so it's time to put some of this into paper to let go and not in a bad way, but just to like get it out and make some space for some new things. Um, because when it's all said and done, I'd rather be um, cooking cooking in a restaurant, creating craft cocktails and hospitable experiences for people to enjoy Black history and Black knowledge, as opposed to, you know, reading, writing and doing all this smart stuff. Um, <laughs> so just making room for putting the, those publications out there um, and creating more space I mean, Toni Morrison said the responsibility of getting free is to get someone else free. Mm. And so I keep feeling that like every time in Muntu grows, it's like, well, now it's time for some other folks to get free. And I keep holding on to how else can somebody else get free? What what else can I do to add more folks to this space to to allow them to move freely? So, yeah, that's the that's the goal. I love that. Now tell our audience, how can they get in contact with you? If they want to keep up with whether you're on LinkedIn, Twitter, TikTok, tell us how they can find you. Yes. Now I'm working on my TikTok. Um, <laughs> working on my TikToks, but um, you, Instagram is you can find um, in uh, Ubuntu Research. It's at U-B-U-N-T-U Research. Um, we're also on Facebook and active there. You can connect directly with me on Instagram, Facebook, email, smoke signal, website, turtle dove, ancestral <laughs> situation, dreams. If you go through dreams, I'm open to that too. Um, but LinkedIn is probably the easiest place. <laughs> to well, Dr. Liston, thank you so much for sharing your journey with our audience. Everyone, thank you so much for watching. If you want to share your PhD story and your journey after, just sit us with the email. Y'all have a great rest of